welcome and thanks for tuning in to Real People, Real Talk. Relevant conversations that take you from surviving to thriving. This is the podcast that goes there. My name is Paul Calco and I'm your host. Now let's talk. Hello, Thriver, and welcome to another episode of Real People, Real Talk. If you haven't had the chance yet to listen to last week's episode, The Freedom and Forgiveness, yo, do yourself a favor and go listen to it. I got a lot of feedback from the episode as people reached out by way of text and social media to share how that episode has really helped them on their journey of forgiveness. But let's get to the content at hand for today. Our conversation is all about purpose and creativity. And my guest today is Sho Baraka. Sho is a globally recognized recording artist, culture curator, activist, and writer. His work combines his artistic platform with his academic history to contribute a unique perspective, elevating the contemporary conversation on faith, art, and culture. Now, right now, he was also an original member of an influential hip-hop group called 1016 Click, recording with Reach Records. He wrote the book, He Saw That It Was Good, which would serve as a basis of our conversation today. So welcome to the show, show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Most definitely, man. Well, first of all, congratulations on your debut book. Um, he saw that it was good. And y'all know me. I like to keep it real. I read the book cover to cover in about three days. I honestly could not put it down. And so, show could just tell us about it, like the premise, the inspiration, and maybe even how you came up with the title. I'm curious to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm always in. It's always encouraging to have people who are interviewing me to actually read the book. A lot of times, you do interviews and people don't really read it, and so they just ask you random questions. And you're like, okay. So anyway, <laughs> but it's always. But I still take it. I'll stick. You know. But anyway, yeah. So the book, the impetus for it will, is really a a struggle that I've experienced in my life as I became a Christian, trying to figure out what is what does it mean to be called to something. Um, I feel like God has put me in a particular path to be a creative, to, to work in creative spaces, to engage the world. And um, when I became a Christian, I felt like there wasn't a whole lot of discipleship and tutelage for me and how to be a great artist in the world. There was a lot of discipleship and structures and methods on how to be a good artist within a, within a church. Like if you if you want to do things in the church, then, you know, here's a Sunday we want you to get up here and sing or do a poem here or write this rap for the Sunday service. But I was like, you know, there's a world that needs to know the goodness of God. Preach. And uh, how do we extol the excellence that we, we inhibit, but at the same time, hold tight to the Christian fidelity and not let the world corrupt us. And I said, you know what, people need to engage in this conversation more. And so I, um, I'm not the first, but I, I, I decided, how can I write a book about creativity, about faith and work, and about how our work and our creativity impacts the world for the good or for the bad? And so this is basically a, 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 work, a work of kind of like, I mean, a book about the, theology and work, about the ethics of work, and how stories and creativity can shape a better world. We're just on question one. And the brother's already preaching, man. Like that, that speaks to me as a as both as a pastor and a podcaster that we as a church 
should prepare our people, not just for ministry, you know, on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights, Absolutely. but to engage with the world, kind of like what you say, what you're doing with the creative pursuits and reaching the people outside of the four walls. And so those that's been listening, they know that I am a church nerd. Um, I grew up in the church. I, I work at a church now. My parents are pastors. But show you didn't grow up in a church. And so, like, how yeah. did coming to faith, like, change your outlook on creativity and, and purpose? It's a good question. I um, grew up in a, in a household that was very conscious. So, you know, black conscious, um, justice heavy. And my mom was pretty, you know, pretty. pretty I wouldn't say she was a huge activist, but when she did get involved she tried and she instilled that in us so for me um art and creativity had two means right for my mom it had this 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 position of being aggressive and trying to address issues but then i got a hold of hip-hop at a young age because my oldest brother loved hip-hop and as you can imagine a lot of the messages not all a lot of the messages in hip-hop was about get yours make money you know get the ladies you know, brag about your your status and 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 who you are. And so I had the struggle of like, well, I wanna I wanna write things that help people and talk about issues, but I'm also like, yo, I gotta make this money, I gotta service myself, I gotta do the things that I wanna do. And then when I became a Christian, all of that got kind of flipped on its head where it was like, this is not about you any longer. You are no longer the main character in this story. The story is actually about God and how do we operate around him, right? We're a bit characters that are trying to point people to the main character. And so I saw art and creativity now are the things that I wanted to do, the things that God was calling me to as a tool to be used to redeem a broken world. You know what I mean? If we're, if we're talking oh, about man. Genesis, all things were perfect and God wanted everything to reflect him and his attributes. And we messed that up in the Garden of Eden. Well, now Jesus is here to say, hey, we need to figure out how to restore the beauty of God's creation. And so now I use art and creativity in that way. And I feel like Christianity has helped me to get there. But as you kind of pointed out, ministry sometimes can be an obstacle for that because all we want to do is train people to be pastors. Mm. <laughs> we put people in Bible studies and we teach them the exposit text. And these things are great, you know, but we're not teaching people how to exposit humanity, how to, how to be great expositors of culture with this, with the, the biblical mindset of how do I go into this job Monday through Friday and be the best Christian I can be? How can I be a missionary here versus just getting on a plane and being a missionary in Guatemala? Like the world needs better employees that work nine to five with the gospel mindset, because most of our problems come from people doing bad work. You said a mouthful so many gems in that that as believers we're not the main character but we're telling yeah. people about the main character which is jesus and as we're already developing a common theme now about doing ministry outside of the church how god calls us to be light and darkness and light Amen. does the most work in darkness if you bring a lot of light into one place that's cool but let's go to where the dark places are because you, you made a good point like as a, as a church and this is a loving critique of the church with the body of Christ. So that's, that's why, that's why we're speaking to it. It should be a mission sending agency. And we're not just mm -hmm. talking about overseas, but we're talking about in creativity in music and education and books and hip hop and, and things that you're already doing. Absolutely. And so some of my dear listeners, as we're talking about creativity, as we're talking about purpose, they may believe that their work is, you know, too small or insignificant. <laughs> Maybe they don't yeah. have the, the big following or, 
They don't have um, a big social media account and they may think what they're doing doesn't even make a difference. So like what encouragement would you give them? Yeah. So um, there are a lot of there are a lot of positions where we find us in, in the scriptures when you read that there are people who didn't have huge roles. I think about one of the things I love about. Um, so Exodus is like 31. You can start at 31 and go through like 39 and you see that God is commissioning people to build um, his temple. And but you have certain people who have certain tasks and no task is too small. Remember, this is this is the place where we're we're going to see God. We're going to experience God. And so what's happening is, is you have Bezalel who were tasked to be the creative agencies of, I guess you can say, formulating and structuring this 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 temple. But there were other people who were tasked to come and do other small aspects of the building. And you can't construct those things without the community. You can't accomplish things without everyone. Um, the rebuilding of the temple in Ezra and Nehemiah, what you'll see is that there are all families who are <laughs> tasked with doing small things like, hey, we're going to build this wall around the whole city. But each family, you're responsible for your little plot of land. So if you don't build your fence, if you don't build your part of the wall properly, then that creates a problem for the community. Right. And so here's the challenge to all of us. The reality of it is, is no matter if you're an educator, no matter if you're an engineer, no matter if you are a scientist, your work is important to the greater flourishing of humanity. Think about this virus right now. There are individuals who need vaccines or there are individuals who need medicines. There are people who are trying to figure out the the dangers of this this virus. And so the better you do your job, the better we'll understand how to avoid and how to quarantine and how to fight against this. The better you do your job as an engineer, the better levees we have. So when hurricanes come through, you know, cities don't flood or uh, traffic is engineered well, the better you educate means people are going to ascend the the, the educational structure and, and be great at what they do. All that to say is we all played a role in making this world better. And just because you don't have a large platform doesn't mean that you aren't contributing to the flourishing of society. And I, I would like to say that it's even more important for folks who don't have platforms to grasp this because oftentimes the people who do have platforms need those folks in order to do their job greatly. So I say that, man, it's at the end of the day, we all have this attribute of creation that God stood over the darkness and created heavens and earth. And every day we have this opportunity to do that, to emulate God in our creating. And at the end of God's creating through Genesis 1, he says that it is good, it is good, it is good. He saw that it was good. And I just hope that when you go to work or when you do your activities, if you're staying at home with your kids and you're shepherding little children, that at the end of the day or at the end of your work, all you can say is like, it is good. So that wasn't for anybody else. That that was for me. Like, what, Amen. What, what, I appreciate that because what you speak to is straight out, straight out of the Bible. Many Amen. members but a one body. 
We all mm-hmm. have a part to play. God has given Amen. every believer at least one spiritual gift, and we need everybody to be doing their part. Um, I think it's Romans 12, I believe, that yep. Paul yep. was talking it about. Romans 12. Yeah, everybody can't be the eye. Everybody can't be the ear. <laughs> and for those that's been listening, y'all know I like basketball. So everybody can't be Michael Jordan. We need some Steve Kerr's. We need some Ron Harper's. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we need role players, and it's okay. Need somebody who get the rebound and pass it to Mike. <laughs> exactly. So, and so I think it's Coach Popovich that, they would say, um, be a star in your role. So whatever mm. God has called you to, be a star in that. Whether you're reaching one or 1,000, be a star in that. And as we're talking about workshop, I love your perspective on work. Many people see work as a as a curse, but you say it's a blessing. So could you could you speak to that? Yeah. Well, the reason why people say it's a curse is because in Genesis 2 and 3, we see where Satan is, uh, he's kind of convincing Eve and, uh, and Adam that, you know, God has is has duped you into re- re- keeping you from something that's good. And so we eat the fruit. Later, we see that God says that your toil will be laborious, et cetera, and that right. you guys will have desires for one another that are ungodly, et cetera, et cetera. But the crazy thing is, is if we look at the task of work, God gave us that commandment way before there was sin. So God creates us. He creates the world. He creates human beings. And then he gives us a mandate in that same passage of of scriptures to create and multiply, subdue the land and have dominion over it. That's the task to work. He's like, you know what? I just want you guys to be like me. I want you to take the the raw materials of the world and produce good things. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we so we were. We were worshiping in our workplace way before there was sin. And so therefore what happens is sins comes in and it corrupts everything. It corrupts our relationship with God. It corrupts our relationship with one another. And then it corrupts our relationship with our work and with our hands. And so when Jesus is redeeming, he's not just redeeming our relationship with God, because that's obviously the most important connection, but he's also redeeming our relationship with one another, right? How can I love God and not love my brother, Paul, right? That's a word. But then... He's also redeeming our relationship with our work, with our creation, because if we know that we were once made in this image, made perfect, and that the things we made were a reflection of him, and well, sin corrupts that, that means now we make an error. That means we now create things that are in error and that are problems. And so we see this when Jesus is interacting with the prostitute at the, uh, she's about to get stoned. And, uh, Prostitution is obviously a job that should not exist in our society, but this is a way in which somebody is trying to figure out how to provide for themselves. And Jesus says, look, there's grace to you. I'm going to get you off of the, get you off this death penalty. But what I need you to do is find another occupation. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he's saying your work is, is flawed, but also the system in which would punish you but allow these men to go around having sex with anybody they want to is flawed as well. Come on. So there's a flawed system altogether. And so therefore what we've seen is the travesty of creation going in the opposite direction of what God intended it to. And so Jesus is resetting it saying, here's what it, here's what it should look like. You without sin cast the first stone grace. You guys all should be living by the law that you're trying to make this woman live by. But none of that sits. You are forgiven, but I need you to find a new way of working. So I really love your 
theological perspective and outlook on work because I believe the phrase is orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Like orthodoxy is right doctrine. Orthopraxy mm-hmm. is right practice. So before we can have right practice, the orthopraxy, we must have the right doctrine. So if we always think that work is a curse, you know, we're going to get up, grump in the morning, Thanks. going to work. Uh, we won't put our best foot forward, but if we have that perspective that work is a blessing and it was there before the curse, you know, may put more of a pep in your step when you go Come to on. work and you'll be ready to uh, release those creative juices and do what God has called you to do and be a light, be a missionary, be God's mouthpiece in the workspace. But that's enough of me preaching. Um, no, so, you preaching, bro. <laughs> so one of my favorite quotes in your book, man, you said, and I quote, the ability to solve problems is a direct reflection of our, of our connection to God our creator, and that is a creative life. So you talk a lot about creativity. So in your own words, like how would you define a creative? As in like when you speak to creatives, who are you talking to? So there's two there's two definitions. I think there's the um, the professional definition, you know, and then there's the passive, kind of like there's the folks who use their, their, their vocation is of a creative nature. So you're, you know, your artists, your writers, your performers, those types of people um, are actually tasked with the, are given the name creative. But I do think when we're talking about it in a passive sense, like, or not more so passive, but in the generic sense, people who create, I'm talking to anybody. I'm talking to all people. Think about yourself as someone who is a problem solver. And as you enter into your space of, I don't know, of, of work. And I mean that in a very loose sense, you're, you if you're creating any kind of product and sometimes I'll, I'll use that not to be disrespectful, but children, that's a, that's a product. You've produced children and you're trying to raise great human beings. You're trying your best to produce in them. You're creating in them thoughtfulness. You're creating in them charity. You're creating in them compassion so that when they get into the world, that they'll be nice, that they're, they won't use laws uh, uh, as, a, as a weapon and they won't uh, manipulate people. They won't just think of themselves. And so in every area of life, we use creativity. And so for us to think about solving problems, doctors solve problems, lawyers solve problems, uh, you know, I don't know, pastors solve problems. Amen. You are trying to figure out like you as a, as a pastor, when you get up there, you're trying to tell stories in order to get people to connect to a truth. That's, you know, a parable or an analogy or a metaphor. You're being creative in some sort of way. You tell stories. Jesus tells stories. The one thing about the scriptures is that it's really important. The scripture, the Bible is a story. Oftentimes we look at the Bible as a, as a, as a textbook. Come on. It's not a textbook. <laughs> it's a story. It's more of a novel or anything, but it's a true novel. It's a, it's a, there's no, no no lies in this Bible. Right. <laughs> but the reality yeah. of it is, is this is the truth of, of a God who created heavens and earth and is trying to redeem people unto him. That's creative. And so God has used creativity to even redeem people to himself. Man. I think oftentimes we look at it as academic and we want to approach the Bible as something that is very, uh, you know, stoic, uh, has, it lacks emotion, Speak it lacks it. body, it lacks movement. And that's not God. Man, I, I love that definition, man. Because the way you broke it down is it kind of broadens um, who can be considered a creative. Because a lot of times, as you said, we only point to people that are, are painting or doing music as creative. But creativity comes down, as you already said, the show, problem solving. 
And we have been created by a creator. Therefore, we have creativity. We just have to tap into it. And speaking of tapping into it, like, show what do you think keeps us from being our full creative selves? Like, what's stopping us? I think there's a lot of things. I think the stories that we've told about ourselves, the stories are the stories we've heard about ourselves, better yet, the stories we tell about others. Um, for instance, you you talked about orthopraxy, orthodoxy. Well, what happens when you continue to recapitulate stories about work being a punishment? Work is bad. Work is evil. We should like ah, it's a it's a it's a product of the fall. To your point, well, what happens is is we wake up every day thinking, ah, I just can't wait till I don't have to work anymore. Mm. <laughs> well, there's never going to be a time where we don't work. There's a the reality is is this is something that is beautiful. Activity is a God-given thing. We were we were created to be active and to do work. Now, there may be a time when you don't work the job you don't want to work. But even in that, that's a blessing because it's shown it's it's the grace of God is being birthed within you because you no longer can lean on your own understanding. It's like, Lord, I trust you. It's Jesus and John 17. He's like, Lord, is there any other way for us to accomplish this redemption plan? And then he realizes, no, it's not. And so your will be done. And so in every day we should wake up, understand that the world is flawed. It's, it's corrupted. It's not perfect, but we cry for contentment. It's like, Lord, give me contentment so that I know and trust you and know that you put me in this position so that I can, so that I can accomplish your goal. And so sometimes the stories we tell continue to perpetuate ideas about things and people that are not helpful, um, whether they be racial stories, whether they be, you know, um, sexist stories. There's, the reality is that sometimes we tell things about people and they're, they're recaptured throughout generations and it discourages people from being them fools, their full selves or to experience things. And so what we have to do is we have to confront those stories with better stories. We have to confront those stories with truth. We have to, to, uh, to, to liberate people with the truth because it will set us free and uh, be more biblical centered, not, not, not culture centered. I mean, culture is great, but God is intruding our culture in order to redeem it and and make it more like himself. And oftentimes what we do is we make Jesus subversive to our culture. And uh, we have to tell the truth about our society, about our culture. And what about it is in, is erroneous to the Lord? And how can we redeem that and tell better stories and allow people to be them full selves as they operate in spaces? So I really appreciate that answer. And I love how you said um, combat it with truth. Uh, I mean, we need to be in God's word so we can understand who we are in Christ. Because mm-hmm. as you spoke to, if we're believing the wrong things, believing the wrong stories, that's going to prevent us from being our full creative selves. That's going to prevent yep. us from being all that God has called us to be. So kind of continuing in the same vein, even more practical. Like, What are some ways that my dear listeners can make a positive difference with their creative life? So once they get rid of those uh, wrong stories about themselves and have the right identity, what are some ways they can make a positive difference with their creative life? Well, I say first, I think the first thing is you have to just do an inventory of who you are. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is what I'm doing bringing blessing and shalom to the world? Or is it solely for my own personal benefit? And am I causing harm in my vocation? I wanted to... um, 
you know, I use this story. I use the example of, I don't know, you Marvel. So, for instance, I I, I talk about Marvel movies, um, and my family. We watch. We've seen every Marvel, everything. And it's just one of the few things that our, our the whole family can enjoy and engage. Iron Man is an example of <laughs> of a hero, right? So, Iron mm-hmm. Man flies across the globe and he saves lives. Tony Stark is Iron Man, but you know, Tony Stark is the 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 philant or the uh, entrepreneur the billionaire the genius but the reason why tony stark or the reason why tony stark has to become iron man is because tony stark causes problems <laughs> around the world so that he has to put on this <laughs> yep. this armor and then they'll go save the world that's deep it's like well you know you think about like age of ultron you think about other you think about yes. the first movie he was a he was a weapons dealer right all these is a lot of the problems within the adventure movies are caused by Tony Stark. Facts, <laughs> mind blown. If Tony Stark just did a better job of working and didn't, wasn't so selfish, he probably would have never had to become Iron Man. You know what I'm saying? And so, within our society, if we just looked at ourselves and said, "Am I am I creating problems?" Is the type of work I'm doing is it creating flourishing or is it creating detriment? And if I know it is, do I need to put on a cape and go save the world or do I just need to work better? Oftentimes we talk about going on missions to other countries that, you know, are are, are underdeveloped. They need some sort of, uh, you know, foreign aid assistance. But if we really think about why they're that way, oftentimes it's because of wealthy countries exploiting them and the problems that we've caused in these other countries throughout history. So if we would have just done a better job of being a neighbor, we would have never had to go on a plane and fly out there to do missions work in the first place. In that kind of like sense where we have to build schools, build wells, worry about pollution, because oftentimes what capitalism does or imperialism does is we get witch off these countries and dump our problems on them. And so as Christians, what does it look like for you to look at your job, look at your calling, look at your vocation and say, hey, am I being a problem or am I being a solution? And that's real people, real talk. Like show kept it 100 with that. Are you being a problem or are you being a solution? Well, Thrivers, I really want to encourage you to go and buy show's book, read it and be inspired. Once again, it's called He Saw That It Was Good. I honestly was both challenged and inspired and another thing I liked about the book, it was full of scripture. Y'all know me, a church nurse, so it was full of scripture, but you got to read it for yourself, but straight from the author's mouth. Um, so what do you hope people like take away from your book? Um, I think there's different people who can get different things. I think there are some folks who are just going to be encouraged to hear someone talk about work and vocation in a way that doesn't often get talked about. Mm-hmm. So you're going to hear that your work, your calling, your vocation has purpose. So I think those folks are going to be encouraged. I think black people are going to be encouraged because it challenges narratives throughout history. It gives, um, I guess you could say language to some of the frustrations that I think that, you know, black Christians have had with being omitted from Christian history Uh, has black Christians given a contribution throughout the legacy of Christian thought in America. Um, I think artists are going to be encouraged because it does deal a lot with creativity. There's, some fiction in the book so if you're a type of person who likes fiction you'll get some of that some stories that i I wrote um but i think overall hopefully i think i just hope people are challenged to to be better 
workers, to be better creators and to be better producers and to recognize that one, there's a gold and a shadow in everything we do. Um, no, there, there is no, there are no, as I talk about a book, there are no fixed heroes and villains. There are times when we oscillate back and forth between being the the answers and the problems. And Paul talks about this in uh, Second Corinthians, where he says, always co- like uh, evaluate your salvation and yourself to make sure that you are of the faith and you're doing the things that are that are right for the the brothers and sisters in the family. So, um, I try to give a very balanced perspective about the world and, and challenge people to look at things just a little differently. Amen to that. And one of the questions I ask all our guests is, you know, how do you go from surviving to thriving? Well, specifically for you show, how can my dear listener who I affectionately call thriver go from surviving to thriving as it relates to their purpose and creative pursuits? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's great. Distinction because people who survive, um, you could be very passive. You don't have to actually do much to to. Well, you do have to do a lot to survive, but it's more so like just to get by. Mm. It's like, what do I do just to make sure that I'm not drowning? Right, like you know, I can jump in a pool, and if I just doggy paddle, or if I just hold on to kind of like a a life preserver or something, I could just float. And I'll just be there. I'm not dying. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not progressing, but I'm just, I'm surviving. I'm not going under. People who thrive will see other folks swimming by them. And they're wondering, well, how do I do that? Like I've been in this pool and I've not drowned yet, but you know what? I realize there's life outside this pool, but I won't get there until I start learning how to swim. And I think thrivers are people who see what God has given at their disposal. And they're trying to figure out, well, how do I learn? You get other people to help you. And then when you learn, you teach other people how to do it. Uh, I think it's a wonderful story in the pool of Bethesda where Jesus, to keep the pool narrative motif going, Uh uh, Jesus sees the paralytic man who's trying to wait for the pool to kind of like catch the wave. (laughs) That's when the first wave is to catch the wave. Come on now. (laughs) And he's like, uh, well, I just wait for the wave so that when I jump in, you know, I'll be healed. And Jesus is like, well, do you really want to be healed? You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a wonderful question because sometimes we get content in just surviving because thriving does take something out of us. And so he's asking them, do you want to be healed? Because you may be content in just living this life of being a paralytic because you, you know what to expect. You know how to exist. But if I heal you, there's going to be more expectations that come from wow. your ability as a full, able-bodied human being. And in a sense, so in the same sense, going from surviving to thriving, it can be scary at times because your eyes are open to more things. And so, um, I was, you know, first question is folks need to ask is, do you want to thrive? And and if the answer is yes, understand the responsibility that comes with thriving. I love that metaphor. And y'all, I had to press mute because I was over here, just, you know, about to couldn't contain myself saying amen. Like that was so good about thriving, really opening my eyes and things like that. But show before we go, where can the people find you? You know, tell them about your book um, mm-hmm. and your music and your movies, probably for all to find it on your website. But let the people know. Yes, I uh, right now, the you know, I. All social media platforms. My name is Amisho Baraka. So A M I S H O Baraka. Am I show Baraka? Um, uh, my full name is Amisho. So uh, you can find music 
on Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere you can go is Show Baraka, S-H-O Baraka. Um, and if like short films and things like that, you can go to my, I think you can go to just my Barakaology page and it'll lead you to just different things that I've done in the past and things I will continue to do. So, yep, that is who I am. That is me, friend. Well, Thriver, don't worry. I'm going to leave those links in the show notes. So, Misho, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you for having me, Paul. Man, it was a pleasure talking. And before I let y'all go, I want to conclude this interview with a quote from his book. And here it goes. Each morning is empty and without form. There is no narrative yet. We hover over the emptiness and make a decision to create. Will what we make be good? What a conversation. I hope and pray that you found value in today's episode. My prayer for you is that you will be and do all that God has called you to be and do and do it unapologetically. Be sure to share this episode with a friend and share it on your social media today. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.